Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios of Relate365.com in the Northwoods of Wisconsin and on, 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 I can't on, even say it, on yeah. the campus of Silver Birch Ranch. <laughs> Sometimes I just get jumbled all over my words. It does. I'm not perfect like Dave over here. Yeah, so. Well, no. Uh, all they got to do is listen carefully, hear me clearing my throat and sniffing and all kinds of stuff. But I mean, if there was a perfect way to eat lutefisk, I think you, you nailed it. Yeah, I invite our listeners. Go over to Silver Birch Ranch YouTube channel, yep. right? So YouTube, type in Silver Birch Ranch. And you can see Jason and I eating lutefisk for the very first time. This and, is true. And the truth is, I enjoyed it. You did. And you didn't. Well... <laughs> The, the texture I did not enjoy. The flavor itself wasn't horrible. It was the gelatinous mass. Yes. I mean, the. The so, idea of it is pretty disgusting, actually. And someone commented appropriately, when you have to eat fish with a spoon. Yeah. It says it all. Yeah, it does. <laughs> However, the, the real Swedes have informed me both before and after. You didn't have the sauce for it. It doesn't count. You, there's a sauce they put on it, a gravy per se. Well, it's, we understand that, but we weren't. Yeah. We didn't want to judge how good we can make a sauce to cover right. the, and mask lutefisk. That's right. We wanted to judge the lutefisk primarily by itself. Yeah. Now the funny thing is, I can make a delicious sauce that would go with that, that would mask it and even mask the texture, and yep. I'm sure it would be fine. Well, here's the funny part: if people listen to younger, older, they they realize there was. A program we actually did with a, a guy, Matthew, mm. and Matthew is the director of our Wolf River Refuge. Yes. And so he joined us on that day accidentally. He was walking through where we were doing it, and we challenged him to grab a bowl and sit down and eat some with us. And he liked it so much that he took the leftovers to have them later. He did. So, he did. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a shock, actually. I, it did shock me. Yeah. Not, not that the, it's just the whole way it worked out. I mean, yes. We're doing it to see if we like it. He stops by very nonchalantly, oh, this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And takes it home. And takes it home and finishes yeah, it. Yeah, so that's pretty funny that stuff. funny. I invite you, go to the YouTube channel, uh, Silver Birch Ranch, and uh, type it in and, and see if you can see us eating a little bit of lutefisk there. Um, and if you are uh, thinking we're insensitive to Swedish people and lutefisk, uh, you're wrong. I am Swedish. I've had lutefisk. It, when I was growing up, I didn't, but my family did. Mm. We were just trying to see if um, it is it bad as we all remember it, mm. <laughs> or bad as <laughs> we all dreamt it to be. You know what, though, honestly, I judged it wrong because I I never ate it as a kid because I couldn't stand the smell. Oh, sure. And uh, it did smell. It did smell. It yes. did, I, I will give you that. It did smell, but by the time it was cooked, it wasn't as bad. No, but it did smell, and that's what I remember as a kid, and that's why I wouldn't touch it as a kid. Right. But now that I'm older, because you forced, are, you you actually still eat pickled herring. Oh, I love pickled herring. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I probably would think is gross as well. I don't know. Would I don't know if you would or not. I see. I can't figure why you would think pickled herring would be gross. I think it's absolutely delicious. So. Uh, there's things in life that I would eat that I tolerate, but yeah. Harry and I would go out of my way to get. So I don't know. I don't know about you. Are you ever afraid of anything? Uh, yeah. But what what causes fear to happen in your life? What what makes you afraid? Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because being it... afraid is not cool. Right. Nobody well, says, I want to be afraid today. Right. And, and like, say, I might be afraid of things that you're not afraid of. So why why would I be afraid of them and you're not afraid of them? That is a good point. It could be because uh, experience in life right. shows you you don't need to be afraid of something. 
or shows you how to go through something. Yeah, I even think of like even like obviously when you think of Fred, you think of like, you know, whether it's dark or stuff. But I even think of like heights. You know, you come across some people where like they could like, you know, jump building to building and not be phased. Now, now that's funny you mention that because there's not a lot that I'm afraid of, but I would tell you I'm afraid of heights. Right, and I'm afraid of heights. However, I wouldn't consider I'm, that like a, a being afraid like if it's... Um, I'm afraid of uncontrolled heights. Yeah, well, I'm afraid of even controlled heights, so, I, so it doesn't much matter to me. But bottom line really is, I think when you look at fear, there are some people that amaze me. They're fearless in what they do. And, and sometimes I would even consider them like nuts. You know, I yeah. mean, they would do things and you go, are you kidding me? What did you do that for? And they're going, that was a great thrill. You know, I mean, yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, there's that kind of fear. But in the Bible, mm-hmm. there are times where um, you can't help but wonder what caused the people to fear and how could it have been different? Right. Remember the time when the disciples were in a boat? Yes. Storm comes up. Yep. Jesus is sleeping. Mm-hmm. So they, they wake Jesus up. Yeah. And he looks at him kind of like, why are you afraid? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sitting there for a second looking at that story thinking, Jesus, was that a necessary question? Right. You're looking at this boat in the middle of a storm that these guys are hardened fishermen. They understand storms. Obviously, the storm was bad. They think the ship is going to get torn to pieces or something or they're going overboard. That's why they're afraid. Right. Which makes it makes perfect sense. Perfect sense, yeah. But Jesus' question still strikes me because the connotation is you shouldn't be afraid right now. Mm-hmm. So is Jesus saying to them, your fear is totally unwarranted and you shouldn't be afraid of things like this? Or is he saying something else? What is he saying with that question? Because he, he never says words randomly. Right, they're all intentional. So what is he saying to them at mm-hmm. this point? Any idea? I don't know. When you think about it, I'm not sure I can, the Bible doesn't say here's what yeah. goes on in the back of Jesus' mind, so all of that could be speculation. But you can't help but think Jesus is saying something like, if you knew what I know, you would not be afraid of this. Hmm. The problem isn't that the winds aren't real, and the problem isn't that the danger's not real. The problem is you don't know who I am. I control the winds. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were Jesus and you were the one that could control the winds, all of a sudden, why would you be afraid of the wind? Right, when, when, it, when you could just stop it. Exactly. Yeah. So he gets up, stops the wind, and everybody goes, oh, I get it. Yeah. Now, you go into, look at another example, maybe, the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. They're, they're told, go into the promised land. Just go into the promised land. And um, it, and so they send, do you know why they sent 12 spies in in the first place? I don't know. I mean, what was the purpose of that? I, right. God told them to go in. Why did they send spies in when they were just supposed to go anyway? Right. I don't know. There has to be a good point to it. So that's another point probably for another time. But they, so they sent the spies in. They come out. Ten of them are scared spitless. You know what I mean? They're... <laughs> They don't want to go in there yeah. because the people are big, there's monsters, and they, they, they all claim that, yeah, it's exactly what God said. It's great land. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's productive. It's wonderful. You'd love to live there, but we can't go. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of fear. Yeah. Two of them, I guess you'd consider fearless. Or are they not fearless? They're people who understood something. Mm-hmm. So being fearless doesn't mean being nuts and doing things that... Right. It might mean that you actually understand something. Because mm-hmm. Joshua and Caleb, they said we should go into this land, and if they go into the land, it'll be ours. Mm-hmm. But not based on the people's strength or the, the or even wisdom of the soldiers or whatever else, but based on the fact, single fact, that God told them to go in there. Yeah. So they must have known God better than the others. Hmm. And I'm thinking in life situation, when, when you have a, when any of us have a, a situation in life that we can't control. Yeah. Some get very fearful. Mm-hmm. And you could look at the situation, it's like, okay, maybe you should be. Uh, we could use COVID, for example. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of people that really feared COVID, and maybe still do. I, I, mm-hmm. I have no idea. But fear itself isn't going to keep you from getting COVID. Mm-hmm. And they might say, that's right. That's why I'm locked in my house. I have 14 masks on. You know, I'm whatever. Yeah. What happens when we know God, we know the basic principles of life, and we adjust our life that way? How do we live? We, we, we live a fearless life. Mm-hmm. Not a stupid life, but a fearless life. Yeah. In other words, I, it's important that you and I have relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what disease is out there, the importance of being with people is not going to be diminished. Yeah. So what we have to do is figure out how to be with people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I encourage people to do, is say, okay, but what if I get sick? Who is it that's in charge of sick and dying and dead? Precisely. So why don't we act that way? Mm-hmm. When we do that, we live a fearless life because it's not, you know, honestly, when you look at the people who got it in the Bible, the, the apostles, they all died uh, martyrs' deaths, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. The bottom line really is they were not afraid. Mm-hmm. They did what was right, and people got angry with them. Mm-hmm. But they didn't stop doing what's right because fear didn't drive them. Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go in the furnace. Yep. Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful character. What role did fear play in their life? Nothing. In fact, go back to uh, Psalms and Proverbs, and it tells you it's the fear of God. Mm. That's the only fear you should have. Mm-hmm. Because that fear actually conquers all other fears. Mm. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing there listening to King. King's you know, telling everyone to bow, whatever he's doing. And, and in the process, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are thinking, do we fear the king? No. Mm-mm. And I love their answer because they came to Nebuchadnezzar and basically said, you know, King, in my own words, <laughs> um, we're done with you after this. Because if you throw us in the furnace and our God doesn't deliver us, which, by the way, he can. But even if he doesn't. But if he doesn't, 
Either way, you'll know he's God. Yep. And we're out of here then. Or you'll see that he's God and we're still here and you got to deal with us. Mm-hmm. But either way, you're not the one we fear. Mm. Everybody else in that crowd feared the king. Yeah. Three guys didn't. Was everybody else wrong? I would say yes. Yeah. Three guys feared the right king. Everyone else feared the wrong king. Mm-hmm. So I might ask people, what what in life do you actually fear mm-hmm. and why? Yeah. You know, do you fear death? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Have you ever heard people, something bad happens in their life, somebody gets sick, and they say, oh, why would God do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. Well, why? why? I don't know. Go back to the book of Job. Mm-hmm. Oldest book in the Bible. Take a look at what he did. Why did he go after Job? And if you really know your Bible, you're going, Dave, you said it wrong. Why did God go after Job? No. He didn't. Satan did. Exactly. Right. But God allowed it. Mm-hmm. So why did God allow Satan to go after Job? Because Job had his fear in the right place? Yeah. It wasn't, he didn't fear losing his children. He didn't fear losing his money. He, he didn't fear, you know, all kinds of things that, that happened. He feared God. Mm-hmm. And because of that, he lived in a certain way. And there's nothing in this world that could take and derail him. Yeah. I'm not saying he didn't suffer. He didn't, he didn't have moments where he wished things were differently. But he didn't fear. And he didn't fear death. Mm-hmm. He didn't fear suffering. What happens if you falsely fear something? How do you live? In fear? Yeah. Take this, for example. You you're, you are married. How, how long have you been married? Eight years. Okay, eight years. Three children, eight years. Uh, are you committed to staying married the rest of your life? Absolutely. You're committed to loving your wife the rest of your life? Yeah. So if your children wake up every day and they're fearing that you two are getting divorced and you're leaving, mm-hmm. how are they living? They're living in fear. And And... It, it, it's going yeah, to demonstrate it's gonna, itself yeah, in all it's kinds of weird ways. In the way, yeah, absolutely. That's what fear does to us. False fear mm-hmm. takes us and puts us in a position where we do all kinds of things that we can't figure out. Right. So what is the cure for your children? If, if they're fearing this, what is the cure for them? To show them the truth. Show them the truth. Let them observe that you love each other. Yep. Talk to them about what commitment is. Reassure them that you're going to stay together. Mm-hmm. So what if the, the, the nation falls apart? What, what if all of a sudden you come home one day and you, you and your wife have a, a tough discussion saying, you know what, nation just fell apart financially. Nobody's coming to camp anymore. We're not going to have a job in six months, five months, three months. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Would people fear in that situation? I, th- I think some people would naturally, yeah. The truth is, though, mm-hmm. if you know God. Right. There's no need to fear. It, has this situation surprised him? Right. Yeah. No. So mm-hmm. why don't you live in the context of that? Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know the answer. Obviously. Mm-hmm. You're not in the future, so you don't know the answer. Right. God is in the future. He knows the answer. 
Um, so simple questions that I ask a young person who's fearing. So if I, if you were coming to me, your your life's a wreck because you're constantly afraid. You're afraid somebody's going to die of cancer in your family. You're afraid, whatever it might be. And I'll ask you. So do you believe that God loves you? Yes. Do you believe that uh, He knows what the future holds? Yes. Do you believe that He prepares people for what's to come? Yes. Then why are you afraid? Mm. Why don't you live that way? Right. It's the perspective of it. And and if you don't want to live that way, what does it actually say? Right. And I think part of it, too, and we talked about this in our previous episode, is that oftentimes the way that we live our life, we're pursuing the byproduct of of pleasure and and wanting to pursue God. When when the rubber meets the road and, and we need to pursue God and trust in him. You know, that's that's you know, that's the bread and butter almost. You right. know what I'm saying? And if you missed that episode, I encourage you to head over to relate three sixty five dot com and and listen to that one. But we talked about, you know, oftentimes we pursue the pleasure itself rather than the way that God has designed us to live. Yeah. You know, and I think this too almost gets at that, Dave. Absolutely. You know, as, as, as we look at fear, you know, the way that we live our life, we just try to solve the fear by pursuing the pleasure rather than the solution. Right. And and if we don't get the pleasure that we want, we wonder if God is real. Right. Well, he is. Yes. We are our line, our train of thought is not a way, you mm-hmm. know, going the wrong way. You know, when you look at there's a verse in Jeremiah 15:18 where Jeremiah asks this question, "Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable?" Mm. Yeah, you know, there are times. Yeah. And you might be saying, I fear that I have to live this way the rest of my life. Yeah? Yep, you might have to. But here's what you need to understand. You just said the key to it. It's the rest of your life. You're going to be dead, and I'm going to be dead a whole lot longer than I'm ever alive. Yeah. Whatever happens to me in this life, this is a war zone. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? That God says that the life we live today is in a place that's actually a war zone with Satan. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that's true, how do people act in a war? They they actually pay attention yeah. to the fight. Right. Right. But the war zone is not home. Mm-hmm. They don't act as if it's home. Yeah. So if it, again, go back and listen to the other podcast we did. But if I am pretending that, you know, let's say I'm in the front lines of the war and I go to Amazon and order a Lazy Boy to be delivered. There you go. So I'm sitting in a Lazy Boy with my machine gun, (laughs) you know, because I want the comforts. That's right. This isn't going to work. You can't focus on the Lazy Boy at this point. Yeah. You need to focus on fighting and, and realize when there's a war, are there casualties? Yeah. There always are. Mm-hmm. So why does that surprise anybody? Mm-hmm. Because go back to the Bible, look at, in the war that took place in Job's life, there were 10 children that died. Yeah. Casualty of war. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, believe it or not, I took a year of ROTC you in did. college. I didn't yes. know that. They made us do it at Wheaton College in my year, every male had to take one year of ROTC. Interesting. And uh, it is not that way anymore there. But in our day, they felt that that was a patriotic duty of a Christian young man to at least understand military science. What does ROTC stand for? Um, 
I always wondered. Reserve Officer have... Training Corps, I oh, believe. Oh, that sounds about right. I suppose I could have Googled it. But... And I could be wrong about those letters, but I think that's what it meant. It sounds good. I had a year of it. There you go. So I did learn to march. I had a uniform. I had boots. I had the whole works. In fact, our platoon won the marching contest, So, and we shouldn't have because we really <laughs> messed up. But for some reason, the judge sneezed or something when we messed up. So <laughs> whatever, we won. Um, but the bottom line really is when you look at it, one of the things you learn in military science mm-hmm. is the fact that we've never gone into a war where the, the leaders don't get together and say, here's what the cost is going to be. Yeah, They actually figure out the cost before the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're saying, okay, this war will cost us 10,000 troops. Yeah. Now, when I thought of that, when I first read that, and I, I thought, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. There are generals who are deciding to put people out to war knowing that 10,000 of them won't come back. Yeah. They know that before they send them. Right. And the, and the professors I talked to them said, exactly what you did, right. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Who likes war? Right. You're going to tell me that you want to fight in a war or you need to fight in a war and you're going to pretend there's no casualties? Mm-hmm. Why don't you get your head in the game? Mm-hmm. Because there are going to be casualties. I'm sitting there going, I don't want to admit that. He said, then you won't be ready for it. Mm. And when you're not ready for it, you're the disaster now. Yeah. So this came to, to uh, understanding when years ago, one of the former campers here, one of my Sunday school guys that was in a class when I taught when I was younger, was a, a Air Force Mm-hmm. In the Air Force, he drove. He flew their biggest plane, whatever that is. Okay. And and during the first Iraq War, I remember I I called him or I contacted him somehow before and said, you know, praying for you because I, I thought he'd be deployed to it somehow. Yeah. And afterwards, I texted him or wrote him. I can't remember what we did back then. It might have been an actual phone call or something. Yeah. But just asked how it went, you know. And he said, "Oh, great." I said, "So what does that mean?" He goes, "Well, I I was called. I was the." plane that was supposed to go down now i can't remember now either he was the the plane that was going to carry the caskets back mm-hmm. of the dead in the war or he was gonna or he was equipped as a, a hospital plane okay i can't remember which one now because i think he's done both yeah um regardless it struck me odd mm-hmm. my job was to go down there and take care of the casualties mm. and i thought that was your job wow Remember military science, Dave. In war, there's casualties. Mm-hmm. You have to plan for them. Yeah. I think we as believers could learn a lot just from that. We, we would stop asking so many whys if we would just think about it. Yeah. There's, there's a real choice for people to make. There's a way it's meant to be. There's a way it's not meant to be. And there's real choices. And the life that we live, we're living in a war zone. Whether we like it or not, it's not our war. We didn't choose to be here. It, we didn't choose to be in the war. We're in the war. Mm-hmm. In a war, there's going to be spiritual casualties. Mm-hmm. We can't help that. Right. But we can't not prepare for it. Mm-hmm. So we have to admit that they're there. We have to make provision for them. Uh, right now, we are in the middle of trying to expand what we do to help those in the foster care system. Correct. And those who uh, are interested in that can go to Foster Family Connect dot org and you could take a look at what we're doing but the bottom line really is we know that there will be children who grow up in the united states of america 
who basically are not treated properly and for some reason will be abandoned by their families mm-hmm. or should be because of the way they're being abused. Yeah. Either way, they're going to live in a way that wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. For us to pretend that's not happening is not right. Correct, yeah. So instead, let's prepare our planes. Mm-hmm. In other words, let's get in a position where when that happens, we are the ones that take care of them. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in the military, too, they have a rule that uh, no man will be left behind. Yeah. You know, if I get injured on the, um, in the war, uh, my comrades will do whatever they need to to get me off that battlefield and get me home. Mm-hmm. That's a rule. I, you count on that if you're an American military person. Mm-hmm. And I thought, boy, that's interesting. But then again, they're trained to do that. Mm-hmm. They're trained to say, not if, but when right. a colleague yeah. goes down. Can you imagine fighting knowing that? Mm-hmm. Um, when I started playing football in college, I, I got a mini version of that that coaches told us. We want you to understand before you ever get out on that field that this is a real game with real injuries. And in four years playing for us, you will get injured. Mm-hmm. And we want you to know what happens when you get injured. Yeah. When you get injured, you will be, their words, not mine, you will be dragged off the field of battle. Hmm. Somebody will come in and take your place. Yeah. And we will have the referee blow the whistle and go on to the next play. Yeah. Said if you can't handle that, don't suit up in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I thought I've never heard a coach say those things. But all the coach was doing was saying, you know, I want to tell you that we know this happens. We're not going to live by fear. We're not going to live knowing, you know, not playing the game because the possibility exists that you get hurt. Right. The truth is we're going to prepare for you to get hurt. Mm -hmm. If you don't get hurt, we're going to rejoice. Mm -hmm. But if you do, we're the ones that will care for you. We will take you. We will make sure you're cared for. And and what's really interesting to me is that that in football, that in ROTC, it all parallels a healthy Christian life. I can't pretend that this life will not have casualties. So what I want to do is, number one, do the best I can not to be one of them. I want to be prepared for life, for war. I want to, I want to do what I can so that I'm a positive member of whatever team I'm on. Mm-hmm. And then I want to be prepared so when the casualty does arise that I can be dependent on to help take care of those yeah. who are part of it. Right. And that's our Christian responsibility. The one thing I won't do is moan and say, oh, poor me, why me? Mm-hmm. That doesn't solve a problem for anybody that's involved in it. Mm-hmm. And why me is because we are humans who live in sinful condition and there's a war going on and that's why. Mm-hmm. And whenever I sin, it's going to affect those I love. It's going to affect the people around me. There's no way to not do that. Right. That's what I need to prepare for. And because of that, I don't want to live in sin. I don't want to be the cause of it. And I do want to be prepared to help those around me because I'm going to get the chance to do that. And I think that's what healthy young people need to do. And you need to train your children to think in those terms of reality and they'll be okay. Right. And I think that's the healthy perspective we need. Oftentimes we don't allow ourselves to think that way. 
because right. of fear, but that's where it's important to go down that path and think that way, Yep. you know, and have that perspective. Uh, I encourage you to, to head over to Relate365.com and you could uh, re-listen to this podcast and some other ones. But for this episode of Younger and Older, we're out of time. This is Jason Dave. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.